Bald Men on Campus with Jay Billis, Lafonso Ellis, and Seth Greenberg. Welcome to Bald Men on Campus. I am Seth Greenberg, joined by my two falcally challenged partners, Jay Billis, the legend of Cameron Indoor Stadium, and Lafonso Ellis, whose name is going up on the Ring of Honor at Notre Dame shortly. Uh, congratulations to both of your stellar careers. Uh, Billis, a thousand point scorer. Fonz, probably a two thousand point scorer. But two terrific careers. But hey, a real, uh, on a serious note here, guys, you know, I was thinking, I'm going around watching practices and I'm watching all these teams. And I know you guys have seen some practice as well. Teams are old. Like, you know, you know Mike Brady used to say, get old and stay old. Well, with the super seniors or the grad seniors, you start going through. Duke is older. They've got returning players. Kentucky's got returning players and, and, and you know, obviously uh, transfers through the portal that are eligible immediately. North Carolina, Gonzaga, UCLA returns their whole team. Seton Hall has got five grad seniors or super seniors. It's amazing as I'm looking. I think we could have, because of that, one of the most interesting seasons that I can remember. Coming off COVID, experienced teams, maturity, toughness, uh, people back in the stands. What's your guys' take on, as you look at the season, I'm looking at all these teams that have gotten older, tougher, more mature, and better. Yeah, and and that's what we said we wanted, right? Uh, you know, we, we said we want older teams and we want to see guys play as their seniors. And, you know, we're tired of the one and done stuff. So now we've got it. And the transfer portal has actually helped with that. And, you, you know, you guys are going to have to forgive me a little bit uh, today because uh, my wife and I went to Target yesterday to get Halloween candy preparing for uh, for Sunday's, you know, Halloween, the uh flood of children dressed up that are going to be coming to our door. And, uh, and I dove into it a little bit last night, so <laughs> I, I couldn't help myself. Um, and I figured that since they're fun size, you know, it doesn't really, it doesn't, the calories don't really count. So I'm still on, I'm still on a little bit of a sugar high here. So if I, if I go off on a tangent, like I'm doing now, you'll have to forgive me. Get that man some protein. <laughs> wait, 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 wait a second. If you, if you went shopping for candy, like you can't just say you went shopping. I mean, fun size or no fun size. What is the what is the candy of choice in the bill? Exactly. We went. We went with. It was my selection because my wife said I'm closer in the way I act to a little child. <laughs> that that would understand. Point so uh, I went with um, the the gigantic bag of of Twix and uh, Reese's peanut butter cups, the small ones, and then also Aaron Greenberg, because that's exactly what she did. I think. Well, I mean, that's what I like to eat most, but they're easy to grab. And yeah. uh, and then also went with the mini Hershey bars and crackles. I'm not a big Mr. Good Bar fan. And then Wendy said, hey, be careful with anything with with peanuts or peanut butter yes. because of allergies. And I'm like, hey, look, that's the parents problem. I am. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I don't want to kill anybody. But at the same time, this is more about me than these kids. And this is what I like to eat. So it was uh, tar- Target was a good time yesterday. I really enjoyed it. Now, being a big fan of Twix, uh, let me ask you guys a question. Do you eat the caramel off the top first and save the cookie? Or do you eat them both at the same time for a double pleasure? 
what are you, some kind of weirdo? I just put yes. the whole thing in. <laughs> I have never heard of that. It's, I have never heard of that. I've heard of people eating Oreos, you know, the middle of the Oreo and all that. I have never heard somebody deconstructing a Twix bar that way. I do it to Snickers as well. I eat peanut, the caramel at the top, and say, "No, you don't." I'm sorry. (laughs) You're not that strange because Bill Foster, that I work with at Miami, Uh he would order his meal, and then like you'd have say steak and potatoes and green beans. First, he would separate them. Yes, like clearly separate them. They didn't want anything touching anything else, and then he would eat one section at a time. That's how you're supposed to do it. I mean, why wouldn't you? Yeah, a little piece of steak, maybe a little potatoes. No. You know, he'll follow it up with little green beans. <laughs> legitimately, and, and if anything was tight, I mean, it was very, uh, Jay, you knew Coach Foster. Everything was meticulous. <laughs> no fines. Yes. Besides the issues that you have eating junk food. I'm sorry. Uh, my piece. What's your take on like like Villanova? Yeah, I mean, no, I got you. Alan Gillespie, yes. UCLA told yes. Timmy's back. Yes, Duke yes. more. Drew Timmy's back. I mean, yes, yes. Paul's got a team. I mean, like, mm-hmm. what, what do you think that's going to create? Well, I, I think it's 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 great for our game because um, you know I was talking. It's, it's funny. I was talking to Muffet McGraw about this uh, legendary women's coach of Notre Dame basketball uh, many years ago because what we were seeing. I was curious if what I was seeing on the men's side was happening on the women's side as well. Uh, the fundamental aspect of the game wasn't being taught or at least wasn't being carried out in middle school and high school on the men's side. And so when kids would hit campus, you know, basic things, pivoting, uh, ball fake high, throw it low, ball fake low, throw it high, all of those basic fundamentals of the game, even as athletic and as talented as the kids were, uh, those aspects of it were missing. And so coaches were having to take time to teach the kids those things early on so that they would have a good foundation to grow. Well, as we look at, to Jay's point, about the benefit of the transfer portal, now you're getting guys who've already been through that process and they've seen just about everything you can see from a schematic standpoint, different defenses, different offensive schemes, et cetera. They've been in pressure situations. They've been in front of big crowds. Now all of a sudden you don't have to deal with that learning curve. These guys are plug and play guys that you can put into your lineup that you know that have the maturity, they have the experience, and they have the skill and the know-how along with the fundamental uh, basis to be able to compete at a high level and help you win games. Uh, another team, Seth, 95% of their their team is back, a team like Butler that has a chance to squeeze their way in uh, to the NCAA tournament. So I I do think it's going to make a more beautiful game. Uh, I I think it's going to make for more competitive games for us. I don't think you're going to see as many turnovers and things of that nature. So I think it's really good for our game. One of the funny things about this transfer portal is the ones complaining about the transfer portal are the the big time coaches that are saying the mid-majors are going to get hurt. What I'm hearing from the mid-major coaches, they're going, we love this. This is really helping us. We're losing guys, but we can replace them right away. And we've Mm -hmm. always lost players, but when they had to sit out, we couldn't replace them. And -hmm. now we can replace them right away. So the transfer portal, I don't hear as many mid-major coaches complaining about the portal as Mm -hmm. I hear big-time coaches complaining on behalf of the 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 mid-major coaches. It's really an odd system that we've got now. Um, And and I'll tell you what, some of these guys are majoring in complaining. 
Like they could get graduate degrees in complaining. It's really not that big of a deal. Uh, Here's two things I'm going to push back. Number one is, you know, we talk about the fundamentals of of the younger players. You know, I I actually think, you know, grassroots basketball gets a bad rap. I think I think there are really, really good grassroots programs that really work on doing a great job of developing players, working with players. Uh, these guys have more individual workout guys that maybe you know it's more about themselves and maybe maybe the group. But I mean, I think kids are spending more time working on their games, uh, playing more, uh, and I think it's easy. You know, we I think we get in this mindset. Well, you know, grassroots basketball is well. You know what? I'm a five star guy, and I loved everything that that it represented. But there's a lot of good things being done at the grassroots level that I think we lose track of. But and then to Jay pushing back on you a little bit, I think the mid-major guys are resigned to the fact that they're junior colleges. I think the mid-major guys are resigned that I'm I'm gonna recruit, I'm gonna evaluate, I'm gonna get some guys that maybe I wouldn't have gotten now. Right. Us because everyone's recruiting out of portal. Like most of the high majors are holding scholarships for the portal. So there's gonna be guys that are gonna drop drop through the cracks. And you know, if I was a mid-major coach, I'd say, you know what, son. Come here, play for me. In two years, if you have two great years, I'll pick up the phone and I'll get you anywhere you want to go. And I think a lot of the mid-major guys are looking at it saying, you know what? I can get a guy that transfers down, potentially. Yes. I yes. can get a, a trickle down because there's going to be more guys available because guys are, are using scholarships and saving scholarships for the portal. So, you know, I, I just think that, you know, we're going to have better basketball. I mean, I started making lists. Definitely. Amazing like if you go like Tennessee, I mean Tennessee's got John Fulkerson back. I mean the guy's been in school since I had hair in my head. I mean, <laughs> That's it, a long it, time ago. It, it's unbelievable. <laughs> I mean they get Justin Powell for transit from Auburn, who's a perfect yeah. player to complement what they're doing. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you see, you know, you go up and down, mid major, high major, low major. Yeah. You're seeing veteran teams, and I'm interested. Of uh, do you think this will equate early season higher level of basketball? I hope so. Um, I, you know, I, I think we, we've had that in certain years and then other years. It kind of depends on the game. Like sometimes, you know, the, some of the big time games we have on early teams don't look as good. And, and you know, we've always got a, a reason for it. Well, they didn't get to practice. They didn't get to do this. They didn't get to put their offense in stuff like that um, when they just didn't play all that well. Uh, I, I'm hopeful that we have high level play, but one of the things that that I've noticed over the years is as long as the games are close, uh, generally fans don't seem to care. Like, and and I don't mean this to be insulting, but you know, a lot of people can't tell the difference between a good game and a close game. As long as they have a close game, they're okay with it, and that's true in football too. Because I've watched a ton of football this year. And the ratings are through the roof. And there have been some really poorly played games that were close. And uh, and and people seem to love it. So, you know, as long as hey, they got money on these games, as long as it's good, or as long as it's close, they think it's good. But, but I think we'll have high level. Because I agree with you, Seth. Like, having so many older players back, the difference is in, in the past, like if you go back to when we were in school, um, you know, it, it, the, the older players are at different schools and they started. Yeah. So, you know, people people may like or dislike that, but having the experience level, I think will be a lot of fun to watch and uh, and hopefully leads to leads to higher quality of play. 
Right. And oftentimes, as you know, going into the season, the defenses early on are way ahead of the offenses. And I do think because uh, teams will have more experienced players, either they're returning players or experienced players that are tr- transferring in, I do think the quality of the offense is going to – I still think it's going to be a little bit behind the defense, but I think it's going to be far ahead of where it's been in the past just because of the experience that these players are bringing from the places that they were at prior to. You know, Fonz, the practices I've been at, and that's kind of the next question for you guys. I, I've seen the offense well ahead of the defense for this reason. Spacing is so much better. Great point. Shot making, more shot makers on the floor. A lot of guys are playing two point guards and four perimeter players, so you got more mm-hmm. players on the court. Very few guys are playing multiple posts. Um, there's a greater flow. Like I watched North Carolina practice yesterday, and uh, besides behind a back pass, I'm not going to mention player's name that when it. <laughs> and Hubert Davis acted like the rest of us, which was a total shock to me, quite honestly. Uh, but it was actually just uplifting seeing Hubert, who is so he's so fiercely competitive, but you know, almost in, it seems like you know he almost internalizes stuff. Like she can't be as good as he was for as long as he was at everything he's ever done. He's got a little bit of you in him, Fonz. You know what I mean? Like, like he, you know, he's, you know, the nicest guy in the world until he gets in <laughs> those lines. Let's go. <laughs> One pass went sideways, and uh, the inner Uber came out. I think, quite honestly, Jeff Lebo was poking him to get him to do that. <laughs> Jeff Lebo was like the devil of the whole program. He's like the Eddie Fogler to Dean Smith. <laughs> right? he, is, he, he is. He's. He's the Fogs to Dean Smith. He is like Lebo to Davis is folks to Dean Smith. And the guys who know Eddie Fogler was a great, great head coach. Seth, that, yeah. that is the perfect, that is the perfect comparison because <laughs> Dean Smith uh, was always credited with never cursing, but he hired Eddie Fogler to do it for him. <laughs> and, and that's what, that's what Hubert's doing. Hubert is like coach Smith in that regard. He, he never curses, but he hired <laughs> Jeff Lebo to do it for him. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. That I'm texting good. him right after this. <laughs> so All right. So, AJ, you've been a couple of practices. Who's impressed you? I haven't been to practices. This is the first, this is the second year because of last year. Uh, we weren't able to go to any practices. Um, I, I made the determination because when we got to November, I was like, Hey, you know, I hadn't seen anybody. So I I went out in November and saw who I needed to see before the season really got going. And when I got to December, I was going, Hey, wait a minute. I don't, I didn't miss going to practices and I didn't beat myself up physically. Like I usually do. I feel better. So I decided to try it again. And, uh, and so I haven't seen anybody. I'm going to see my first practices this week and next week heading into the champions classic. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was a, must be in really good shape right well, now. Well, that was that was part of it. I'm not gonna lie. Like I wanted, to, I wanted to play while the weather was good. But the other part of it was last year during the pandemic, I could not believe. Like I usually do what you're doing now, Seth, is travel around to all these places, and and I, I was exhausted by December, and uh, and then last year I was not, and I was like, wait a minute, man, there's there's a reason for this, and uh, and I I tried it again intentionally. And uh, and it's it's working like I, I feel better. And uh, and and I hope you realize that all I care about is how I feel. So, uh, <laughs> We've known that for a couple of years. Now. 
you know, it's funny because Fonz and I are in the studio most of the time. So when you're traveling to Maui or, you, you know, traveling to Vegas or you're traveling to, you know, cross country, you know, we're kind of in one place. And so like, you know, like to me, I, I'm screwed up. We don't, that's not exactly a new story. That's going <laughs> on for a long period of time, but you know, it, it's just, to me, it's, it's invigorating watching, you know, first of all, being back in the gym, because, you know, we weren't in the gym at all last year, mm-hmm. uh, seeing some new coaches, seeing how guys have kind of evolved in terms of how they're playing has been kind of fun for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, seeing different styles and then, and then watching how these new players have kind of integrated with their teams. It's, it, it, it's been fun. Besides that, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, you, to me, and fine, maybe you'd agree with it. When you're, when you're in the studio, I, I, having a little bit of context uh, in the, you know, riveting eight minutes that we have, uh, you know, is, is, is been, has been worthwhile. So it's been fun, but I'm screwed up. I just like to be in the gym and it's, it's kind of, it's kind of like my little fix. No, that's not what you tell me behind the scenes. Tell the people what you tell me. I have no life. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I know yeah, what it is. I know what it what is. is it, Jay? What he is gets it? to eat whatever he wants when he's on the road. <laughs> when he's at home, Karen Greenberg is telling him, you can't eat that. That's going to kill you. Don't eat that. And, and every every time he's at home in Connecticut, a, yeah. a hamburger is viewed as a suicide attempt by his wife. <laughs> hey, hey, if I go down, they all do pretty well. I can tell you that. I mean, it's it's not a bad deal. So the Jersey Mike's I had last night at 930 when I pulled it to Blacksburg. I See? mean, you know, with extra, you know, oil and vinegar. It was all right. <laughs> All right, enough of that tomfoolery. Uh, SEC. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's going to be really interesting and really, really deep. I mean, like, really deep. But I've seen Auburn and Alabama and Kentucky. And, like, let's just start with Kentucky. Uh, obviously, last year was unique. The biggest surprise I, I, that I got a chance to see when I saw Kentucky, and I, I don't keep it real, Oscar Shebway's feet. Mm-hmm. I did not realize, A, he could run. Yes. And then laterally uh, move the way he is able to move. Like he's able to get out on a ball screen, get back and rebound the ball. He's able to run rim to rim and, you know, and finish. And then Severe Wheeler is the speed that he's not Tyler Eulis because it's not fair to compare him, even though he's a little guard. But he is dynamic. Dynamic and an easy bucket creator. Yes, I think I, I think I think they're going to really be fun to watch. I, I do, and I think when I think of Severe Wheeler, his ability to be able to get outset in transition to try to get uh, to the front of the rim is going to put so much pressure on defenses. Now you got guys like C.J. Frederick transfer from Iowa who's shooting 47% for a career from the three-point line. Severe's just going to create easy offense for a lot of guys. Jacob Toppin being able to roll behind it, uh, catch slops, Keon Brooks. He's just going to make – Severe Wheeler's going to make offense really easy for a lot of guys. But the guy that I'm excited to see, too, is Ty Ty Washington. I mean, let me ask you guys a question. With our Bald Men on Campus podcast, do we get – an opportunity to actually get a uh, name, image, and likeness that we can get a chance to drive a Porsche also. Just curious. Can you imagine the the, the money I would have made in college with name, image, and likeness rules? In place? I mean, 
I would have have had a Ferrari. I mean, not only with the flowing hair I had, but doing underwear ads and stuff like that. I mean, it would have been spectacular. But your your point, hey, your point on Kentucky, yeah, and uh, to your earlier point, Seth, about about um, having older teams. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is going to be Kentucky's oldest team since Alex Groza was there. Uh, Like this, they've never been this old, even when Joe B. Hall was coaching. I think their average age is over 21, their average age. And and so they've brought in, it's been a total flip. And and you were kind to say last year was unique. If unique means they sucked, uh, (laughs) that's what what it was, because they sucked. They won nine games last year. And they're leading, this is the first time under John Calipari that Kentucky has had a leading scorer return. First time. Davion Mintz was their leading scorer, and he transferred in from Creighton. Yep. And, and you know, he's a good player, but should not have been the leading scorer on a, on a really good team last year. So they, they flipped. And, and Xavier Wheeler, uh, the other guy that, that we haven't mentioned yet is Kellen Grady, who mm-hmm. transferred in from Davidson. Yeah. He's a pro. Like, mm-hmm. he's 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, six, he can really score. Yeah. They, they've gone from being a young, you know, super talented group uh, generally – that that's going to be in the draft and all that stuff to an older kind of YMCA team at lunch. Yeah. That's going to kick your ass because they know how to play. Yeah. And, uh, it's not that they don't have pros, but they've got, you know, they've got older players that, that know what, know what the hell they're doing. It's going to be really fun to watch. They've yeah, got freshman. Nathan Collins is going to be a monster. I don't know if he's going to be a monster this year, but he's right. 10 and he can run and jump and shoot. Right. And mm-hmm. Bryce Hopkins, uh, those two guys, Along with, like you said, Kellen Gray, Kellen Grady, just the maturity that he plays plays with. Uh, they're going to be a fun team to watch. But I'll tell you, what, Tennessee's going to be a fun team to watch. Mm-hmm. I think they they lose two guys to the NBA draft, and they're back in the backcourt. And I actually think their backcourt improved, actually improved with yeah. how kid who transferred yeah. from Auburn and Kennedy Chandler. Mm-hmm. I actually think, in terms of efficiency, execution. They get Josiah James back, who can probably yeah. end up a small forward. Fiscovi mm-hmm. back, Victor Bailey back. You talk about a deep, deep backcourt. And John Fulkerson is older than Billis. He is older than me. That's true. He is older than me. But they, they as long as yeah. they, like, like Tennessee is going to defend, they're talented, they're athletic. Um, you know, the one thing that seems to be a consistent issue is, is as you refer to it, Seth, offensive flow. At times they can get stuck, but they're not alone there. That happens to most teams, but at times they can get stuck. And uh, at least that was an issue last year with, with a, a super talented team that I thought had a chance to really do some damage in the NCAA tournament. They got bounced earlier than I expected. Yeah. But Rick Barnes is one of the great coaches, uh, you know, I've ever been around. Um, and hopefully, you know, hopefully this year's team, you know, that the offensive flow can improve throughout the course of the season. Cause I think they've got a, they've got a chance in that league. And Jay, I, th- I think the addition of, of transfer Kennedy Chandler 
is going to do for Tennessee what Severe Wheeler is now going to do for Kentucky. Because to your point, they really struggled to score the basketball at times. I think they were, what, the ninth uh, most efficient team uh, in that league, 11th in three-point shooting. you got to be able to have a guy on the floor who can create his own offense and be able to create an easy one for other people. And this dude is, like, explosive with his ability to be able to get in the lane and make plays. So I think he's going to take a lot of pressure off a guy like Santiago Viscovi, who now can more or uh, be an off-ball creator as the balls reverse and be able to knock down three-point shots. But I really like this team that Rick Barnes put together. I'm interested to see, though, I think they'll be better offensively, but without a guy like Eve Pons, who erased a lot of mistakes on the defensive side for them, can they maintain their level of defense while being a better offensive executing team? And if they can do that, man, this team can get to the Sweet 16 and beyond. They have a lot of pieces. Would you rather have a team that struggles to score or struggles to keep the opponent from scoring? Well, I know I'd rather watch a team that doesn't struggle. <laughs> why are you talking, hey, Billis? Why are you talking about my old teams? <laughs> yeah. Well, I just, I, I just, why are you, you know, bringing back a nightmare for me? <laughs> like I love, I love watching great defensive teams, but there's never been a shutout in basketball, and it seems like the teams that the teams that struggle to score are the ones that have more problems than the teams that that give up the bucket here and there. What teams do you guys look like in the SEC? What, what are the teams that are intriguing you guys? Alabama and Auburn. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're the two teams outside of Kentucky and Tennessee that can win the win the league. Mm-hmm. And and Auburn has Walker Kessler, who transferred in from uh, from North Carolina, who I think can be an all you know first team All America player, whether it's this year, next year, whatever. He's got that in him. And then Jabari Smith is a is a superstar in, in waiting. So. Um, you know, look, they're, they're going to be really good. I don't know if they're win the league good, but they'll be in that in that ballpark. And then Alabama's got this kid, J.D. Davison, uh, yes. that's coming into Alabama. Yes, he's the he's the real deal. He is yep. the real deal. And mm-hmm. when, you know, Jaden Shackelford can shoot it and they've got they've got good players. You know, they've got a couple of good transfers. The, the Burnett kid, Namari Burnett from Texas Tech and then no yeah, girl, he's coming in from mm-hmm. uh, uh from Furman but mm-hmm. but they're they're legit and I would not be surprised to see them win the league because they can score now whether they guard anybody you know I think that they, they they'll do that but but they, they'll be able to score and Davison wait till you you know I know you guys have seen it but wait till the public gets <laughs> a look at this dude yeah. and he will never be on this show because that <laughs> hair um, first of all that hair is above the rim as a, as a guard. Uh, yeah. that, that dude is the real thing. Yeah, I, I, I was I, I love the two teams that Jay pointed out. And, and I think a team that's going to be really good this year is Arkansas. I mean, they're returning Debo Davis. They're returning J.D. Note, Jalen Williams. Connor Vanover didn't shoot the basketball as well from the three-point line last year as they were anticipating. But we've talked about speedy guards being able to make plays. And Chris likes the transfer from Miami. Is a guy who can create his own offense, get in the lane. He can be a little loose with the basketball at times and streaky from the perimeter. Set. But this dude can get, once he gets hot, he can get buckets. And all the attention that he'll draw from the point guard position will make scoring easier uh, for everyone else on the floor. So I like Arkansas as well. Yeah, Arkansas is going to be good. I, I talking to Musty the other day. He's he's trying to find out who's going to be. You know, he thinks Devo Davis is going to be their alpha, like the guy that can yeah. take over and make a play. And you know, all these Tony's got a toughness about him. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, getting back to to Alabama, I mean, they 
last year they were like top top third defense efficiency. But do they have the best backcourt in the SEC with Javon Quinterly, who was suspended for the exhibition game, which is a little disappointing? Davison and and Shackelford is that is that one of is that the best or one of the best backcourts in in the SEC? What did uh, did Quinterly leave a football game early? <laughs> yeah, he, was, he, and, he and the kid Gray were uh, 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 were were suspended for the exhibition game, so yeah. I don't know exactly what went on with it. But uh, look, they, they're really good. And you know, you talk about Auburn. Auburn's got two underrated transfers. Zepp Jespers is a a crazy physical. You know, watching them practice, a crazy physical. Defender and DJ Johnson, the kid from 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 Georgia, remind, they remind me a little bit of uh, what he had Hopper and was it Brown? A little undersized, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But just mm-hmm. hard to play against. Yeah. And, and watching Bruce practice the other day, like he is he is almost genius in putting guys. He's going to move Jabari Smith all over the floor, putting guys in positions, whether it's mid post ISOs, whether it's He's not just running the old, you know, Tom Davis, you know, flex cut action. He runs some really, really creative, creative stuff. What are your sleepers? Like is LSU Florida sleepers? How about Mississippi State? You know, with with Garrison Brooks, and if they get rocket yeah. box, I mean, with if Tulu Smith gets back and yeah. healthy, yeah. who are your best sleepers? I I have I have Mississippi State as being my sleeper. Iverson Molinar is one of the most underrated guards in the country. Can flat outscore the rock uh, at 6'3". To your point, Tolo Smith is back. And you put Tolo Smith with Garrison Brooks. Now Tolo can move back to the center spot and give them some rim protection, some rebounding there. Garrison Brooks, of course, can make a 15, 18-foot jump shot, play with his back to the basket. I I mean, Rocket Watts, DJ Jeffers, Jeffries, a 6'7", really versatile player. And so I like the pieces that they have, Seth. And I think Iverson Molinar is my dark horse to be SEC Player of the Year. He's that good. Ooh, found yeah, you. He'll certainly be first team all SEC, I, I believe. But, you know, I think Mississippi State is a great call there. I would have said LSU, but they lost Adam Miller, the transfer from Illinois for the season with a, a knee injury, which really, really sucks for them. Yeah. The other team I would say that that may fit into the sleeper category is Florida. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think Florida is going to be pretty good. You know, they got Daruji back, Applebee's back. Castleton's back, and and you know he averaged twelve and six last year and shot uh, around sixty percent. And they got the kid Fleming coming in from Charleston Southern. That's uh, probably be their best defender. Uh, so that that was a good pickup. And and you know, so many of these players that come in as transfers, you know, I, I understand. You know, you have to have super talent and all that stuff. To but 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 being guys that can can fit in and are willing to accept uh, accept a role on a team like Florida, because you're not going to come in as the leading scorer from Charleston Southern and most likely be the leading scorer at Florida. Um, but but if you're willing to to do what it takes to help that team be successful, uh, you know, you can really elevate not only that team, but elevate yourself. And I, I think Fleming's one of those players. I think we'll be talking about him as one of the best defenders in the country before the year's done. I thought it was interesting that Mike White, uh, you know, that he hit the portal pretty hard. I mean, they lost a bunch of guys. Yeah. Every single guy he basically rec- recruited was like a defensive player of the year for, at their former league. That's a good point. That's like, a good like, point. And if you think about Mike at Louisiana Tech, 
those teams and, and you know those teams were hard playing mm-hmm. you know, make you react to them uh uh defensive teams now they got to take better care of the basketball but I, I i like florida as well i i'll tell you one thing my one of my favorite players in the league is darius day at, L, uh, at lsu I love darius days you know that <laughs> I, mean, I mean like he's a really really good player you know xavier pinson's there i don't know how good they're going to be but He's a, he's a guy that kind of goes to me like under the radar mm-hmm. and he does a little bit of everything. Yes. He rebounds it. He shot 40 from the three. He averages double figures. He's a willing defender. You know, he reminds me a little bit of a uh, Skylar Mays and that, uh, that, that, you know, we don't talk about him, but as people that love the game, you look at him and you say, you kind of admire him. Like he's a guy that I admire that he does what he does, you know, kind of, in the background, but he's mm-hmm. winning in a really positive way. Are there any players that like guys that you want to, you know, you're excited to see? Cause I'll tell you one thing, SEC is getting dudes. <laughs> I'd say Scotty Pippen jr. At, mm-hmm. uh, at Vanderbilt. Um, he's going to be a first team all SEC player, but his team is probably not going to uh, match him. Uh, I don't, I don't have Vanderbilt as a, an NCAA tournament team, but he's going to put up put up numbers and performances that are going to be sports center worthy all year long. Uh, so I, I think most coaches around the league know that that he's one of the best players in the league. And I think for Auburn, Alan Flanagan, I thought it was going to have a huge year, but he's out right now with an injury. So he'll be slowed along the way. But if he can get back to form, he's another guy that that I think is not only going to play as well as he did last year, but probably I think he's going to be around 17, 18 point a night guy. I really like him on both ends of the floor. But it gave you the sleeper of Alabama, Keon Ellis. Hmm. Uh, you know, when I went watched him practice, Charles Bediaco and Keon Ellis were the two guys as good as Davidson was and as good as Quinterly and Terrific. Mm-hmm. Uh, Keon Ellis, you know, we talk about quote unquote two way players. Like that dude does, does a little yeah. bit of everything. And I, so I, I asked Nate after practice, he goes, you know what? He goes, all these other guys, he goes, in terms of grading out, he said he was our best player last year. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, because he makes the right pass, he's, an, you know, an active defender, he can guard the ball. He, he, he gets, you know, rebounds a little bit, makes enough shots to keep you off. Leesburg, Florida kid. I had a kid in Marvin Bryant from Leesburg. That's a hard playing, really, really good player. And, and they've got a big Canadian kid. I think it's Bediaco. I'm pretty sure that's the correct pronunciation. Who's going to be an elite, maybe not right away, but the way they play where they short roll their bigs and all those spread screens. Mm-hmm. Blown away. I thought he was like a project. He caught the ball in short rolls and he was like, it's making just good decisions. I mean, it was, it was it was really it was really impressive. All right, let's go to another league, the Big East. Uh, obviously, we've got to start with Villanova. You know, mm-hmm. and I saw them the other day. Two super seniors. You know, obviously, Colin Gillespie comes back off the ACL. Jermaine Samuels, actually, Caleb Daniels, who transferred from Tulane, is a super senior as well. Uh, and adjusted more. I mean, here's the big question, and then I'll throw it to you guys. Villanova, really good. How do you replace Jeremiah Robinson Earl? The same way you replace Sadiq Bay. Uh, you you know, somebody else steps in. I mean, it, we've seen this over the years. You lose great players, other players step forward. And one of the things that that Villanova's done extraordinarily well, among the many things they've done extraordinarily well, 
is is have players playing in a role, but developing them outside of that role while the season's going on. And that, that that's that's not an easy thing to do. I mean, sometimes players get sort of cemented into a role and and are unable to break out of it. And that's not the way Villanova does it. Uh, you know, they have role players in a given year, but they they're they work on expanding out of that role because one, they could be out of that role in one play if yeah. somebody gets hurt and they've got to they've got to expand their role within a game. But you know, Jay Wright and his staff have always done a great job of of developing players. They don't have as many guys that are going to split early. Um, you know, their their one and dones are usually transfers. Uh, but they, they, they've done a great job there. And then, you know, Trey Patterson's coming in, they've got an older team and having Colin Gillespie back and uh, Jermaine Samuels back is huge. Um, you know, the, it, it, you hardly ever get players that experienced and that old, uh, and that accomplished, uh, coming back and Gillespie could very well be a, a first team all American. And oftentimes for Villanova, Jay, they play four guards around one big and, and I, <laughs> With the way that they play small ball that way, you can get away with having a center who's a good rebounder, a good screener, a guy who can move his feet uh, on pick and roll situations. And Nanajoku at 6'9", I know he's young and inexperienced, but uh, I think he fits that role. He's got a college-ready body, uh, physical, and if he can block sh- – if he can deter shots in the lane, if he can rebound, if he can move his feet defensively with uh, in pick-and-roll situations, I think they have enough guys on the perimeter, both in the starting lineup and coming off the bench, who can soften the blow. Because you, you, you don't replace a guy like Jeremiah Robinson Earl that easily because, Jay, you've said this over the last two years. That dude may be the best defensive center that we had in the entire country. And so part of their defense being so good was his ability to be able to not necessarily block and shot erase mistakes but that dude was always in the right position whether it's ball screen defensively him helping whether it's a short clock situation and he, he having to switch on to a guard and keep that guard from getting in the lane it's difficult to replace a guy like that but I think Joku um, not quite to that level but I think he can be a finisher around the rim and, and be a guy who could produce in terms of rebounding and defense not quite to that level but enough given the pieces that they have around him yeah, I think he's a project, a little bit more of watching him. I think he's a little bit, you know, again, because of everything is so meticulous in what they mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. Now, their culture, you know, Jay, you talk about it. It's, it's their culture. They're Xerox and IBM. I mean, like, their <laughs> culture. And they, they hold each other accountable. Colin Gillespie's yeah. voice is heard in practice. And Jermaine Samuel's voice is heard in practice as much as Jay Wright and George and and the rest of the staff. It's 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 really it's, it's phenomenal the accountability that they have for doing it the Villanova way. Uh, they say attitude every time they break, and I'll tell you one thing: that isn't just to, to be said. I mean, they live attitude. Uh, it, it really is impressive. So, who's the second best team in the Big East? I think it's either UConn or Xavier, um, with St. John's as a, a yeah. possibility. Um, like, look, I don't think the Big East is as strong this year as it was last year. Overall, right, right. Uh, it's still a really good league and they're really good teams and Villanova's got a chance to win it. But I, I, I think UConn, I would say UConn and Xavier would be my choice to, to challenge Villanova for the top spot in the league. 
<laughs> and I like I like Xavier uh, too, Jay. Uh, Zach Fremantle. <laughs> I mean, this kid is as tough and as rugged as they come. His ability to be able to stretch it. He can play with his back, back to the basket, makes good decisions on short roll situations. Paul Scruggs uh, returns. He, he's terrific. They've been able to add Jack Nungy, a transfer from Iowa. I'm not sure if he's fully healthy yet, but he's shown the ability to be able to stretch it, which opens up the lane for guys to make dribble penetration. So I, I, I like Xavier. Um, I, I'm not sure that St. John's is quite to the level of Villanova, but Pasha Alexander can flat out play. Uh, dude, <laughs> his ability to be able to score the basketball, he can defend on the other end. And uh, this is a team that turns you over and they've added some pieces. Uh, they've added Aaron Wheeler, transfer from uh, Purdue, gives them a little bit more size and length on the perimeter. They've added Montez Mathis, that's somebody, a kid that you love, transferred for, from Rutgers. So they're not quite at that level. But uh, if there's a team that could contend uh, to be in the second or the spurt third spot in the Big East, I would say it's St. John's. And I'll say they will definitely get to the NCAA tournament for the first time in Mike Anderson's career at St. John's. Well, they, they probably have the player of the year. They might, Julian Campani, he might be the player of the year. Yep. Yep. In the league. I mean, he's really, really good. But UConn, yeah, I'm going to tell you, this is going to sound crazy. UConn's the most talented team in the league. I mean, I've seen them practice twice now. I'm just telling you. And I didn't say the best team, but in terms of talent and depth, Atlanta, mm-hmm. Sunogo is a huge body. Cook a cook is back. He can block shots. Mm-hmm. You know, the Whaley kid is an elite defender that knows how to how to play. The Hawkins freshman kid is going to be a star. Yeah. They, yeah, they they go, RJ Cole can initiate offense. But I think a team where no one's going to talk about who I think is going to be really good is going to be Seton Hall. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, look, they lost five in their last six last year. Brutal. I mean, they went to five consecutive NCAA tournaments. You talk about all they've got five super seniors. Yes. Five. And then they added Kadiah Richmond to transfer from, from Syracuse, who exactly fits the way they play, you know, big in size and a little bit more freed up, a little more open court basketball. But I mean, when you when you look at their team, Miles Kale been in school forever. Jared Rhodes, a <laughs> yeah. big time wing scorer. You know, the kid Atkins, uh Aiken, the kid from Harvard gets healthy. There's mm-hmm. another guard to complement to complement uh Kadari Richmond. I mean, I you know, I look at them. Alex Yetman, a kid from South Florida who can really rebound the ball. He's a yeah. transfer. Uh, I just I just look at it. And then they have the, the transfer from American. I think the kid's name is Harris. I was about to Jimmy Harris, yeah. Uh, I think can really Paul, shoot. Harris can really shoot. Really shoot. He really shoot. So, I mean, like, yeah. I, 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 I'm a big Kevin Willard fan. I think yeah. he kind of maximizes his team really well. I think Seton Hall could be really, really good. Really good. I agree. I agree. And I think they will be. And, 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 you know, Shaka Smart's taken over at Marquette. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think they're going to be a, he's got a bunch of transfers in, including Daryl Morsell from, from Maryland. That'll improve their Marquette's defense. They'll be a a gritty defensive team, I believe. Uh, You know, Providence uh, guarded the three last year, but, uh, you know, scoring, they weren't as good of a scoring team as I expected them to be. Nate Watson's back. Uh, I like Butler. Uh, mm-hmm. You guys mentioned Butler early as being yes. an older team. Mm-hmm. You know, Chuck Harris led him in scoring last year, and uh, they got a they got a transfer in from Eastern Michigan that that's a, a double double guy in Ty Gross. So mm-hmm. that they're going to have a chance. I think it's going to be a competitive league. 
I just don't think it's as strong as it was last year. I thought it was a little bit stronger last year, but that, you know, it's that equal five, six teams in seven. Uh, I think we're probably looking at the lower end of those numbers uh, to me, because at the end of the day, they can only take 68. And, uh, and, and I'm, I'm not sure we're going to get as many teams out of a couple of these leagues as we had last year. Let me, let's change the subject here real quick. Cause you guys were both really good players at, at the highest level, you know, Harvard and Hackensack, you know, it was what it was. Uh, we're, we're, we're two weeks away, basically. Like, 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 like when you guys were players, uh, I mean, like, and practices started early, uh, later, October 15th, starting earlier. I'm not sure. Did you guys have exhibitions, Jay? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah we, we had two when I was in school, usually. Where, 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 like, where do you, like, like, all right, real quick, like, where do you think, uh, these players are and like, where do you think being around Coach K? Because we look at his first games coming up there playing Army. Uh, you know, this the first game of the new year. He's gonna have the first game in Mad- his last game in Madison Square Garden. Like, where do you where do you think these different coaches and players are, you know, are at right now? They're two weeks away coming with waiting for players, you know, fans to be back in the stands. You think there's gonna be a difference in terms of the, just the excitement level? Knowing this seems this is going to be a little bit more normal. What, what do you think guys are going through right now? Well, I, I think it's a little bit different than when Fonz and I and, and you were playing that we started practice October 15th. Yeah. And that was our start day. Now they start way earlier. They start 42 days before their first game yes. and they have certain days off and all that stuff. So I think the feeling of of playing against one another, getting tiresome, um, starts way earlier. So the <laughs> yes. players are really tired of playing against each other right now, and they want to get out and play somebody else, and they want their coaches to relax a little bit. Because mm-hmm. what I remember is as we got close to the first game, that's when the coaching staff got really keyed up about, well, do we have this in? Is this good? Are we doing this well? And all this stuff. And then practices got more intense because they they had something stuck somewhere that needed to get out. <laughs> And, and it, w- it made it. So those were the dog days as you were approaching your first game before you started game prep for the first game. But you were but the first game was in your mind that that's when things really suck. And the, the exhibitions really, really sucked. I hated it. Well, I hated the exhibition games because they didn't count. And yet and yet we prepared for them as they counted. Yes. And the coaches freaked out over every little thing as if it as if it mattered. And it didn't matter. And uh, and that that drove me crazy. Um, but but, you know, like you really need to get to a game because I am tired of playing against the guy that I've played against every freaking day. Yes. since Practice started. I want somebody who doesn't know all the stuff, all the stuff we're running and can jump a play and all that stuff. Um, uh, so th- those are like everybody talks about the dog days for coaches, and how difficult it is. The coaches don't have any physical component of coaching. Like it's tough to be a coach, but nobody. There's an emotional aspect to that. That is just a little bit similar. Yeah. But the coaches act like the players don't care if they win or lose. They do care and they take it home with them too. But the, the, the coaches don't have a physical component of it. And, and they're the ones that are turning the volume up and down on the players, physical well-being. And so that's why getting to games when the games count, boy, practices get a little shorter because they don't want to wear your ass out for the yep. games. Yes. And uh, they don't mind when it's when, when it's uh, early season. Now, luckily, they don't have two-a-days anymore 
because uh, those were the really brutal days. Yeah, I, I, I can't agree more, Jay, and I, I don't have anything to add. I mean, I couldn't wait <laughs> until we can get to our first game so I didn't have to practice against my teammates or play against my teammates another day. And and, and yet it's going to be interesting uh, this year because I don't know what the protocols are going to be for the players going into it, but there has to be an air of hope with knowing that they may be able to walk out into an arena and actually have fans in the arena for the first time in a long time. So I'm excited for the players to be able to experience that, but you're exactly right, Jay. I hate it this time of the year oh. and, and a little bit different than you jay but because of how much i hate it playing against my old teammates day to day out i love those exhibition games <laughs> because it would finally got a chance to look across and see someone and compete against somebody who i don't know and to your point that didn't know all of my my moves and didn't know all of my plays and man that was a breath of fresh air for me but i'm excited for these young people to get a chance to walk into buildings with fans actually in the stands for a change but one of the reasons I didn't like exhibition games, but, but the exhibition game thing is because you won by you usually in an exhibition game won by mm-hmm. a ton. Mm-hmm. And so you were way ahead. That meant that meant you were going to play less because everybody's <laughs> going to play. And then, you know, like crazy things happen in games that are that are out of hand. And and you're watching film as if that play mattered. It didn't <laughs> matter. We were up 40. That's like, it didn't point. matter. Relax. <laughs> all right. Now that you two prima donnas are venting. <laughs> I mean, all the coaches, they don't do any exercise. Let me tell you something. Look, before your first game, one, you do have a checklist. You want to make sure everything's in, number one. Number two is, it's not just that. You're coming close to finals. You're very stressed out about finals. You're coming close to you know, what, what are you going to do with your team for Thanksgiving break? Because you know what, you know, are the kids coming home? What's your schedule going to be? There's stuff that happens. You see, there is stuff that happens during the course of a week that has nothing to do with basketball, especially prior to the start of the season that you're just thinking, please, no one screw up because, you know, we have this plan in place. We've taken all this time to kind of put everything in. There's timing with everything. And then, like, one bad decision could blow up the whole thing. So, like, all right, Seth, I will give you that. Players to Wait be a minute. Successful. <laughs> I will give you, I, I will give you. That's why you practice so hard. I will give you that point when Joe Lapchick was coaching and he was responsible for everything. But now these guys got like 700 people on their staff. So, so travel arrangements for, for uh, Thanksgiving for the players and, you know, they have 800 academic advisors and tutors and all this stuff. Nobody's worried about that stuff like they used to be, and they shouldn't be. Uh, it's not that big of a deal. The biggest worry I have right now is is I do not think that Fonz deconstructing a Twix bar to eat it is an eccentricity. I think it's a severe <laughs> behavioral disorder. I think Fonz needs help, and, and we're going to be there to give it to him. I admit it. I need to. Well, that, that, that is the best news that we're going to be in Madison Square Garden and we're yes. back on the road. And and quite honestly, I don't know if you guys, but watching the NBA games, like I grew up a Knicks fan and watching opening night Knicks and Celtics and seeing that atmosphere, you know, you know, to me, it was just it was I couldn't turn it off. Hmm. I mean, it, and like you said, Jay, it wasn't a well-played game. 
I mean, both teams, I mean, I, you know, the best player in the court, probably Jason Davey couldn't make a shot yet. You know, uh, it was just a riveting, riveting the environment and seeing the energy. And, you know, I can't wait November 9th, being the garden, it, you know, champions classic, you know, I think Jay, you going out to California for UCLA and, and Villanova yeah, right after, right I mean, after the Champions I, I mean, like, I mean, just think, I mean, just think about the great games that we have. Yes. The Mahegan yes. Sun with you got Purdue, North Carolina, Nova, Tennessee. Yes. We've got Texas Gonzaga early in the season. We've just got, there's so many good games early yes. in the season. Feast week's going to be unbelievable. And to have feast week and be able to have those players experience it with, packed houses and energy and passion. And I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, like, like to me, it's just invigorating. And yeah. I mean, it's invigorating to, to get closer to where, what you know, things that we took for granted. I think we're just going to, in the next few weeks, we're going to appreciate that much more. And I think even as crazy as the practices are now and as sick as guys are of each other and has, you're right. Guys are jumping plays and guys are taking away. Like, it beats the crap out of what they had to do last year. Sticks up in their nose, wait for the result, yeah. get their food, go back to their room, you know, quarantined in their room, Zoom, Zoom scouting reports, Zoom, you know, classes. I'm just, I'm just happy for for everyone involved. Yeah. In yes, surprise that that they're going to get a chance to. I don't think kids, I don't think anyone enjoyed last year. And I think no, we no. get a chance to enjoy this year, and I'm excited. Although, although I have to tell you both that uh, that eating in my room alone and not interacting with my colleagues was surprisingly refreshing. <laughs> well, yeah, well, well, hey, you sat in your room and stated your opinion like it was a fact and agreed with yourself. I just sat in my room, looked in the mirror, and said, "God, you're right." <laughs> much lighter on your checkbook too <laughs> all right uh, next week we're going to look at uh some mid-majors and uh maybe preview a couple of the games that are that are up on the schedule and i thought that was absolutely brilliant from three bald-headed men and uh i can't wait to next week. i can't I, I just i'm excited about everything that has to go on i got great practices this week michigan michigan state purdue baylor texas and you know what it's just going to be fun to, to be in the gym. I'm going to have more fun than the players because right now they are all miserable. As, as according, <laughs> to yeah. And after this week, all the players are going to be sick of each other and sick of you. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll give them switch bars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll, next week on Bald Men on Campus, the podcast, I'll give you a report on how our Halloween went and how much candy Halloween candy was left over for the kids. After a week of my reaching in the, are you uh, getting dressed up? Are you getting dressed up handing out candy? That's what I want to know. I usually just put on a Dodger lid. My my wife and I actually, since our, our kids are gone, you know, they're 27, 25. And what we do now is we sit out on our porch with all our candy and we, um, we have a glass of wine and just watch the kids walk up. It is so much fun to watch other kids go through this and watch the parents look like they've been beaten with a stick out on the sidewalk. <laughs> and, and we're just having a drink, enjoying ourselves. It is fantastic watching other parents and other kids go through this when we don't have to. Fonz, you get dressed up? 
Uh, I, I thought this was my costume. <laughs> Karen, Karen Greenberg <laughs> has got a plan. One year I, I had the candy stripe Indiana pants. Oh. She has a plan that she thinks that we should get dressed up this year. So we might have we might have documentation next week. All right. On on because uh, you know just. If we don't get dressed up, Jake is definitely getting dressed up. <laughs> I can't wait to hear that. That's going to be fun. <laughs> well, Taylor, we miss anything. Guys, two things to promote here before we get out the door. New season of Laughter Permitted with Julie Faldi. The podcast, listen to that wherever you get your podcast. And NBA Today, our fine new NBA studio show is on ESPN. 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, also on the ESPN app and wherever you listen to your podcast. And quickly, guys, uh, I was looking up team total uh, wins for over-unders. It's kind of hard to find. Uh, surprisingly in this day and age where you can bet on everything. But uh, let me throw these SEC title contenders out at you. And let me let me know if you guys are, are thinking the over under on these win totals. So Kentucky, 26 and a half wins over. I'm going under bonds under under. All right. So you're, you think they could be like 27 and three? Well, I'm, I'm counting the, the whole year, including the postseason. Oh, you're quite. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. yeah. What about Alabama at 24 and a half? Over. Over. I like Alabama. I like Alabama. Over. Arkansas, same one, 24 and a half. Under. Under. And then Tennessee, also 24 and a half. So a little bit of a log jam after Kentucky. That's Tennessee should be really good. Justin Powell and Chandler, I, I, think that, I think they should go over. I'm over. I'll take over, but it's only by a half a game. <laughs> They better have a good second half against somebody. I was going to say, hey, those guys, hey, someone's going to leave Mohegan's son 0-2. Carolina, Villanova, Purdue, and Tennessee. Someone's leaving that place 0-2. Man. How about that? That's crazy. That's awesome. that'll be a that'll be a quality zero and two though, and yeah. and that's sort of yeah. the Denny Crum view of things that, that you know take your lumps early and get better rather than fool yourself into thinking you're good by beating a bunch of cupcakes. Denny had a better contract than most. Yeah, yeah, and an understanding <laughs> understanding administration. Taylor, I by the way, what you just did with the uh, promos, Taylor, was absolutely spectacular. Thank you. I wanted to get those out of the way. I know nobody really likes reading the promos, and uh, I like to hear my the sound of my own voice in some capacity. So I thought I'd just be helpful there. We we, we think you should interject and ask us questions. Like just I agree. I think Taylor should interject during the podcast. One telling us if we've made grammar mistakes. Oh shoot! We actually probably ought to have an English teacher on to point out all our ridiculous grammatical. I, I live errors. with an English teacher. I'd have no chance. <laughs> Every set I get killed on. No chance. No Mills, chance. Come on. I mean, like in a court of law, do you use poor grammar? Sometimes. Sometimes. Um, you know, I, I actually have friends of mine that are much smarter than I am uh, getting on me and, and my colleagues about uh, grammar issues. You know, you, you've heard, you know, my wife, Wendy, was an English major and crushes me <laughs> if I 
say, oh man, that, you know, that, 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 that player is really unique. She'll say, no, there's no such thing as really unique. You're either unique or you're not. There's no gradations of unique. It's not very unique and all you idiots always say that stop saying that. And uh, so I, I, I take a pretty good, uh, pretty good verbal abuse at home. Uh, which I should probably call s- social services. Uh, I went and gone. I get bad. killed. God. Went and gone. Yeah, that's went and gone. Yeah, that <laughs> Karen just she's relentless. In it. I said I'm I'm not changing. Well, the <laughs> the interesting part of this podcast is went and gone. Aren't we supposed to be signing <laughs> off by now? Yes, we are. Done. We are all work is done. Have a great week. <laughs>